Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Ian, and welcome to this week's episode of the Focal Point Podcast. This episode, we're privileged to be joined from across the pond by Josh Koju, who works in mental skills with the Tampa Bay Rays organization. At Tampa Bay Rays, for those of you that don't follow baseball, are one of the premier Major League Baseball outfits at the moment, and who made it to the World Series final last year. And Josh takes some time out of his busy program working around the minor leagues and scouting to talk to us this week. We've done some work with Josh over the last uh, year and a bit. And as Chris said, we were very privileged to be able to get him onto the Focal Point podcast. Uh, in this episode, he talks about some tips and techniques that we can use from his environment to help anybody perform at the highest level possible. So enjoy. This is Josh on the Focal Point podcast. So where, where are you today, Josh? Where, where do we find you? Uh, I'm in Montgomery, Alabama, which is, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with the United States and where it's at. It's kind of the southern portion, southern middle of the United States. So if you know where Florida's at, go northwest and kind of over yeah. there. Okay. I think I know where that is, just okay. about. <laughs> um, mate, this is going to start, but here's my knowledge of America. Right? I'm putting Alabama out straight for Forrest Gump. That's what I've gone to. There's my <laughs> reference point. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. I'm yeah. not, this is my first time in Alabama, so I don't have much of a reference point to go off of either. But uh, what's, it, what's it been like then, first time there? Oh, it's been great. Um, the people here have been awesome. Uh, the weather's been good, so no complaints there. Our stadium's pretty nice, so that's all I'm looking for. And food. Like, as long as the food around where I'm staying is good, then I'm good. Too. So that's all that matters to me. So will you be bouncing back and forth between Florida and your, your minor league teams this, this yeah. summer? So I live in Florida um, and I'm responsible for our double A AA and triple A teams with the Rays organization. And our double A team is in Montgomery. Triple uh, A is in Durham, North Carolina. So I'll be bouncing between Durham, Montgomery, and also home uh, pretty much throughout the summer. I'll also go to some of our those teams' road games, uh, and they play in different states, different cities. Not really sure what that's looking like yet for the season, but pretty much I'll be in the southeast corner of the United States for the rest of the summer. And mate, just just give us um, you know, a lot of our listeners will be familiar with like UK sports, so British sports. Uh, we've had a few people on from sort of um, those sports here, rugby, football. Just give us an idea, Josh, of the the tempo. That you operate out in baseball yeah it's um we're it's every day um it's every day from you know the middle of february until the end of september and if you're lucky and you get to the playoffs you're going through october so it's literally every single day you're with these guys grinding playing games that mean something and you know in the major league season it's 162 games the minor leagues i think this year is 120 but normally it's 140 and there's a lot of ups and downs throughout the course of the season. You know, we were talking earlier, your team is 20 and 20 and you're like, Oh my gosh, when do you hit the panic button? Well, if you still have a hundred games left in the season, there's no need to. And I think that's, it's difficult if you're not used to that style, if you're not used to that way of thinking. Um, but for me and being in baseball for a while now, like it's not a big deal. You go on a five game losing streak. It's like, okay, we'll get them tomorrow. Like we're still going to be out here. At the same time, it can be taxing mentally on guys because of those ups and downs. And I think that's part of why there's mental skills coaches, why I have a job, why I'm fortunate enough to be here. So, um, yeah, there's definitely 
a mental toll that it takes on players and coaches. Uh, it's, it's a long season and being away from family, being away from friends, those types of things, like that's a whole nother set of issues that I talk about with guys, but I love it. I love baseball. I love the uh, games within the games, those types of things. So it's, uh, it's different, but it, it's, it's fun once you get to know it. I'm instantly intrigued. You know, when October hits, so I'm, I'm predicting here that you're going all the way, right? Of course, going to be confident. You know, you guys are going all the way. That's fine. <laughs> so, like October's done. What are you, what's the first thing you do after you've been on a season like that? Ooh, so I have not been fortunate enough to work with a major league team when they get in the playoffs. So what I'll do is I'm watching every game. I'm watching every game in the playoffs. Um, we do have somebody in the major leagues that does mental skills, that does the work that we're doing here, and we're talking quite a bit. She's like, Hey, what are you doing? What are you working on? Like, well, how are the guys? Like I trying to get as much of a inside information as possible from him uh, that he's able to share. And also like, it's, it's just, it's so exciting, man, because then it kind of changes, right? Because every day throughout a season, yeah, we have another one in the playoffs. If you lose, well, you could be done. You could be going home. The season might be over, you know, the mm -hmm. seven game series, but there's a, it seems like a lot more on the line. Uh, every pitch really matters. Uh, things get amped up a little bit. So different set of pressures, different set of circumstances, but it's awesome. Uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a tournament basically. And you know, the, the teams that get the hottest and are able to, to play the best at that time of the year. Well, hopefully they're hosting, hosting that trophy at the end. Yeah. I mean, so for you personally, then when you get to the end of a season, so like, if you're working in the minors at the moment, 120 games you're going to be kind of aware of. When, when you get to the end of the season, what, what do you do? How do you decompress after a season like that? I do nothing. Um, nothing. I, I'll, I'll, sh I'll just shut it down. So I actually, well, this year is going to be different. I'm getting married in the fall. So, hey. once, the season's <laughs> over, yeah, so once the season's over, um, I mean, we're already kind of planning for that now, but we'll be getting amped up for the, for our wedding in the fall. Uh, so that'll be going on, but normally it's decompress, shut it down for a week or two. I move, I live in Florida, like I said, so I like to go to the beach, um, start to pick up reading, reading different books, just slowly kind of get my way back into uh, self-improvement, self-development type of thing. But I really try to give myself week to two weeks of just <laughs> shut it down. Uh, shut the mind off for a little bit. Could you introduce us to your focal point, to your to your item that's going to give across your thoughts on, on like performance or, or whatever it is that's wrapped up in it? Yep, I have it right here. This is a pen. Now, this pen ties to a story. In the 1960s, there was the space wars, right, between the United States and the Soviet Union. Who can get to the moon first? Uh, who can put satellites up there. It was an ongoing war, essentially. Yep. And they had an issue, and it came down to pens. And when you get to space, well, there's no gravity, right? And when they get there, pens, you need gravity to write with. That's the only way the ink is going to come down. And so I was like, well, how are we going to write? Like, what are we going to do when we get up there? Because we need to take notes. Things need to happen. We need to write these things down the time, I don't know if there was a whole lot of video recording. I know there definitely wasn't Zoom then. Um, so what both countries started to do was, okay, how can we make a pen? How can we make this better? So the United States, they spent millions of dollars trying to 
create these amazing pens that are able to work um, in these anti-gravity type conditions. We'll call it a million dollar pen, okay? They finally did, amazing job. It worked up in space, but they had spent millions of dollars. Do you know what the Soviet Union did? No. They, they used the pencil. Brilliant. Of course they did. So the message of the story is sometimes we make things harder than they need to be. Sometimes we design these million dollar pens when really if we just take a step back and examine other ways of doing things and simplifying, well, that's oftentimes the better solution. And I think in, in high performance and I think in what I do and what you guys do as well, athletes and high performers, they have a lot of things thrown at them. They have a lot of um, tools to be taught. They have a lot of pressures and stresses and just a lot of different things put on them. And I think what I do and what I've had success with is helping guys declutter, helping guys simplify, helping them understand what do I need to do to be at my best and how can I do that every single day? And so for me, simplifying you, the million dollar pen is a really important lesson, I think, um, and one that I like to share quite a bit with people. I really like that. And because uh, everyone's got a pen on them all the time, pretty much, right? I'd imagine in, in your profession. So it's quite a neat little reminder, uh -huh. quite a neat little hook. Now, you say you talk about decluttering, right? So yeah, the idea that you can simplify it, it doesn't need to cost a million bucks, you can just use a pencil. But when you're working yeah, in the major leagues and in the minor leagues, what sort of things do you help people declutter? There's a, there's a lot of different stresses just from wanting to achieve a higher level. So in the minor leagues, I have guys, they're not, they're not at the major league level yet. And that's their goal. And that's been their goal and dreams for 20 years. Um, and they're not there. So managing their own expectations is a really important thing. Um, managing failure. Baseball, like I mentioned earlier, is a lot. It's a, a lot every single day. You're going to fail. Um, the common adage is a hitter who hits 300 means that he fails seven out of 10 times. So you're failing 70% of the time. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm failing 70% of the time, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm not very good at something. Like I'm, I, maybe I'm not cut out for this in baseball. If you're doing that, you're, you have a really good shot to be a really good player. So how are you managing that? How are you able to compartmentalize? How are you able to not tie your own self-worth into failing? And so like that's decluttering some of the things I think too, you know, <laughs> stresses from home, uh, wives, girlfriends, uh, kids, housing, not having, these guys aren't paid a lot of money. Like these are all things that how can you in and not let it affect your performance on the field? Easier said than done, right? Like if, if, if I'm not making a lot of money and I have mouths to feed at home or I have a newborn child and I'm making a thousand dollars a month, like that's stressful. Um, so how can I still go out there and perform? And so there's a lot of different things that I, I'll talk about with guys, but at the end of the day, to me, it comes down to being present, being in this moment, focusing on what you can control right now. A lot of cliche type things, but they're also cliches for a reason because they're true. I think some, some of it our, our listeners would expect, right? You know, the, the stresses around personal life and the stresses around, you know, money are ubiquitous, right? Everyone's had that probably at some point. Um, and that can really get in the way, but I bet that manifests really differently for everyone, right? You know, 
a thousand dollars a month means one thing to one person and something quite different to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the bit that fascinates me is is reframing around that. Like yeah, that. Um, it's about like yeah, if you're at three hundred, you're okay. Like that's a good place to be because you it's skill acquisition and you're learning and yeah, you might crack it. You might crack the the major leagues like that. But dealing with that much failure all the time sounds like a really big challenge for somebody. Like how how would you help them through that? So I've seen it quite a bit at the upper levels because a lot of times you don't get to those levels unless you've had success your entire career. So that might be the first time that they do fail. Um, that might be the first time that maybe they're not hitting 300, maybe they're hitting 100 and it's for an entire month and they just cannot get a hit. Or maybe it's a pitcher who all of a sudden he was really good and now his fastball is getting hit all over the place or he's not able to get people out and then confidence becomes an issue. But again, back to that simplifying point, it's, it's being present in this moment and focusing on what can I control? Where are my feet? What can I do right now in this moment? How can I win this pitch? A lot of times when we get caught up in past performances or future performances, that's when the stresses start adding up. Right. And that's when, that's when we start getting ahead of ourselves. And that's when we start raising expectations and, and just getting out of what can I do right now? What can I control? What is, what can I do? And to me, What's within our control is three things. And I use the acronym APE. Attitude, preparation, and effort. Those are always within your control. You can always control your attitude. You might not feel like being there. You might not be in a good mood. You might be upset with your coaches, teammates, whatever it might be, but you're still in control of how you're coming in to approach that day with your attitude. The P, the preparation piece, also important. In baseball, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of numbers out there. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of video. How are you preparing with all that information to go out there and perform? Some guys, they don't need it. They don't want it. It's too much. They get in their heads a little too much. They're worrying about this, that, and the other thing. Some guys, they love it. So they're taking in as much information as possible. Also with that preparation piece, to me, it's about what are you eating? What, how are you sleeping? What are you doing from a mental side? Are you working out? Are you doing the things that you need to to prepare to play your best every single night? You know, maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's breathing techniques, journaling. Like there's so many different things. And I think like each guy, my job is to figure out what it's going to be to help them be able to perform their best. And that last piece of the E effort, I understand, especially in in baseball, where, again, we are playing every day, that you're not going to feel 100%. That's fine. Um, I don't expect you to. And I don't think any coaches expect you to. But what I try to frame it as is as, okay, maybe you feel 80% today. Maybe you feel 30%. Give 100% of that 80%. Give 100% of that 30%. Because that's going to go way further than half-assing it. And, oh, I don't have it today. Let me just take take my foot off the gas. No, like you can still give 100% effort. We understand that you're not always going to feel your best. So attitude, preparation, effort, I stay focused around those three things with, with guys. Um, when we start to fail, when when we are struggling, you know, another thing is just when you have had success, what were you doing when things were going well? And, and just trying to get them to just feel a little bit better again, because when your confidence takes a hit and you're tied into your own identity with it, it's tough to remember what was going well. I'm struck with a couple of things that I'd like to – 
like pick your brains on really so this theme of like intertwining self-worth with performance and like your identity and performance is coming up what's the first step in decoupling that from your perspective for me it's what do you like to do outside of, of baseball what are some of your hobbies what what do you I understand that it's such a big piece of your life. I get that. It's in your spending hours of of your day, probably 80% of your day at the field with these same guys. But you asked me the question earlier, what do I do to to decompress? What do I do to declutter? Well, I'll ask them the same question. What do you guys do? What do you do when you go home after a season? And I like to just get them to understand that there's more to the human side than just a baseball player. There's more to the human side than just a a rugby player, a cricket player, a a businessman, like whatever it might be. Like Mm. you have other areas of your life and you have other buckets that you put it in. Maybe it's a personal life. Maybe it's your financial life. Maybe it's spiritual life. Maybe it's professional, whatever it might be. Like take just understanding these other buckets and just taking a gauge of how full is each one and how much of attention have I paid to each one. So I'll start there and, and just get guys to really understand that. Mm-hmm. And they, they know, they know that there's life outside of baseball, but man, when you're here and you're grinding and you're playing every day and you're bouncing from city to city, I'm be honest, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in it. It's really easy to just put the blinders on to the outside world. And I, I couldn't tell you a lot of times what's happening in the, in the real world, like with the news and, and things. I have no idea uh, because you just, you wake up, you eat, you go to the field, you come home, you go to bed, and you just do it again for 10 months. I mean, on, on that front then, is that, that the fact you're in that bubble, is that psychologically safer than being exposed to the real world? <laughs> I think so sometimes uh, because I'm personally, I'm not consuming a lot of the negativity of news of the world. Um, I personally think it is better, but it depends on the culture of your organization. So mm. um, if you're the culture of your organization isn't healthy, isn't psychologically safe, well, then, then it becomes a burden and then it becomes taxing. And then you find yourself getting burnt out by the end of a season. So depending on, on again, that culture of an organization, I think that's going to play a, a major part here where I'm at. I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I have nothing but great things to say. Yeah. I mean, the, the times that we've talked to you, as an organization, you know, we feel that, you know, the couple of times that we've done stuff with you guys, it's it's quite clear you have a very open culture, a curious culture, which I think is um, when we've looked at stuff in the past, from, certainly from our perspective, high performance, curiosity tends to be one of the core uh, tenants. Mate, the other bit I've, I'm interested in, why do you think humans make it more complicated? That's a that's a good question. I think it's because we feel like we always have to do more. I think it, it, either it's ingrained when we're younger or we're taught that like work harder, put in more time, put in more effort. Like I think that that's just part of sport culture. Part of you know you you see high performers you read books of people and they're always talking about well I did this or I I, I sleep six hours a day or I I. I read, I, I don't allow for any downtime. And it's just like, I always have to be doing something more. So I think what happens is if you're not doing more, well, then it feels like you're not getting better. And mm. I also understand like we have to do things to, to get better, but I also think that are you doing things just to do them or are you doing things 
in a way in the, in the most efficient way possible to help you get better. So I think it's just um, part of how we're taught when we're younger, uh, really. Man, I, I like sort of almost going back a little bit. I love the, like, what's the word? Like, almost like the trope about like, coaching being like, yeah, you've got to get, give a hundred percent all the time right now. And, and how that, that must come out a lot. I've seen that a lot. I've probably been guilty of saying it at some point. And actually the idea of giving, you know, hundred percent of the percentage you feel is really good. How easy does that come to coaches in your experience? So, so I haven't had as, as difficult of a time in, in professional baseball with it because they understand how tough it can be. But in other sports, I've seen it where it's yeah. like, what do you mean? They're, they're not at hundred percent. What do you mean? They, they, they don't feel good. Like, I don't care. They still have to go out there and do well. But I think making it personal for the coaches. Uh, okay. How do you feel today? How are you, how are you doing? Are you at a hundred percent? And it's like, Oh, maybe I'm not. And it's like, okay, well, you're still able to give a hundred percent. I understand what you're trying to say, but it's just like that, the messaging and the language that you use. And I always like to, to let them go through it a little bit. And so like that personal piece is something I would stress and just asking them, or, or if it's yourself, just taking a look in the mirror and just being like, okay, let me honestly self-evaluate how I'm doing right now. Cool, Josh. Well, mate, this that time in the podcast now we spin it over and um, you get to ask myself and Chris a question uh, that hopefully we'll be able to answer. So, mate, what, what's your question for us? All right. Uh, it's a little bit deeper and it's going to be for each of you individually. What do you want to be remembered for? And it could be personally, professionally, both. Uh, maybe this podcast, like, I don't know, whatever it is, but feel free to take that question however you want. But what do you want to be remembered for? Mate, that is deep. Um, but it's good to actually have that question asked is not one I've ever been asked before. But I instantly went to something very quickly. When you asked me, I thought, I've gone to something here. And I'd like to be remembered for being useful that's kind of it. If, if I can end my, my time on this planet and have been useful to people in whatever context, personally, right now on whatever date it is in 2021, I would be content with that. That would be good for me. That's awesome. Chris, go on, mate. <laughs> I'm going gonna, gonna to go on mute and let you answer that one. Go. That was a good answer. Um, no pressure. Man, I don't know. Like my head's gone all over, like to a lot of different places, um, like very quickly and all at once, which is quite good. Two words have come up: one's contribution and one's good. Um, so, like to make a contribution to to something, um, you know, something that's meaningful, and I guess to do some good, which which is really like vague, right? But it's, I think, across all those areas, you know, if I can contribute to like. Yeah, my my daughter growing up in a particular way and having opportunities to do stuff and you know like getting a chance to do stuff in the world then that is a contribution I've made and that feels like it's contributing to something good I think you know professionally the same you look at like probably why I joined the military right I wanted to contribute to something a bit bigger than me and do some good and obviously good's a relative term that's probably the problem with that word um but yeah good for people good for the organization yeah I think that's probably it that's great. Um, Both of you guys want to make an impact, uh, be useful. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. 
I think so. What? What? I know. I know this wasn't the purpose of this question, Josh, but I am going to throw it back at you because I'm yeah, just intrigued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do you have that clear? No, do you know I don't. Um, and it's something I've I've spent I spend some time thinking about this every now and then, and and it changes. Um, but it's it, a lot of times centers around making an impact, uh, making an impact with those that I work with, making an impact with the people that I meet, making an impact with my my family, my my future wife, like potentially kids one day. Like I want to contribute i want to be useful like very similar words that you guys are using and i i don't know if i have a, a specific answer but it's always centered around that just like yeah i want to be good at what i do and i want to make an impact but like mm -hmm. that's it that's what i want to be remembered for yeah i wonder if that it's obviously we all like work uh, while in slightly different ways you'll work i guess in similar fields i'm conscious of putting us on the same sort of level as you <laughs> that's not what i'm trying to oh, it's okay but, you know, we're all kind of seeking that kind of, probably that kind of engagement in a certain kind of way. I'd be interested yeah. to see if that maps out you know, or is reflected across other people that, you know, work in like development roles and coaching roles and supportive roles. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people, I bet there's a lot of other reasons that people do it, but, um, yeah, and so yeah, I think things we've seen play out in the past, like why do people get into coaching? You'd hope it's to, to do with things like that about like developing and, and helping people i think sometimes power features um and i, I suspect i don't know but that you know, i bet if you drilled into it maybe that would feature in some ways for maybe not power their power and status things like that they're always there right and we've all gone very quickly to a really clear ish um you know we want to contribute we want to do good we want to have an impact and that's all great um that's the light i wonder what the shade is in that that maybe says Maybe there is some other stuff in there, you know, in, the, in those blind spots about, you know, does being seen to help somebody make me feel good? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. maybe taking the time to explore the, I guess, the, the other side of it could be worth doing. I think we saw a bit of that, Chris, didn't we? we Josh, when we used to work in the military academy, um, and it's probably something I'll definitely edit out because I'm going to sort of throw my opinion about people now into this conversation. But Don't name you know, them. We, no, I won't name them. But we, we would see the better instructors, and I'm, I'm conscious right now, I'm, I'm instantly projecting my opinion into, into this um, answer, but the better instructors seem to have a genuine want or need to have a positive impact. You know, you could tell that they wanted to either pass on knowledge or were genuinely concerned with the development of the people around them. And then you would have this opposite of instructors that were there because they wanted to be the instructor. They didn't want to actually really... They weren't bothered about the journey. They were, they were bothered about being the instructor. And that was the important thing. And I, it was really obvious to spot that. And I still think I see that now, like people that are attracted to the status of the job, not what the job is there to actually do. And that's yeah. quite hard to answer for some people at times. What, what do you think on that? Do you think there's there's like you know, shade in, in reasons that people go into things like that? Yeah, they're more seeking status, dependencies. I do. I do. I mean some of my own vulnerability here but i i got into this because i want to be a major league mental skills coach um it sounds cool right like <laughs> i'm in this in the major league i wanted to be in the show and so like getting into this field like that's what the goal is but to that point i also enjoy what i do and i also really enjoy helping people and as i've been doing it for more years yes that goal is still there i, I still want to achieve that but i've 
I've seen the value of just helping people in, in the minor leagues and, and helping coaches. And really that, that's why I said my answer is kind of shifted of what do I want to be remembered for? Because like that, I've seen the, the impact that I can have on people. Mm. It doesn't have to be with that status. Like you don't have to have a certain title in order to make an impact with people. And to be honest, I, I didn't always know that. I thought, oh, if, if this guy has this title, oh, that makes him better. No, it doesn't. Like, you can still have an impact doing whatever you do. You could be Joe Blow on the streets, and, and you can still have an impact with people. And to me, that's what being a human is all about. And I think that's how you get the best out of people is by just acting that way. And I think being vulnerable is also a piece that allows people to connect with. And, you know, um, you're real you're real. And I think that that's important uh, to remember from time to time. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all have dreams. We all have goals. Um, It'd be naive to not think that, but I think just keeping those things in perspective. And that's why I asked that question and struggle with it myself. Sometimes just what do you want to be remembered for? And using that as kind of your North star to guide you and whatever it is you're doing. Absolute privilege to talk to you. Um, And I use that word deliberately because I know how difficult it is to get into a schedule um, and have these conversations. And um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Of course. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was awesome. Yeah. Hey, grateful for your time and really good to see you again. For sure. Well, that mate will be the easiest podcast for me to edit that we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Really, really clear um, from Josh. But what are you left with? What's, um, What's resonating with you from that? I think the idea of clutter um, and things that, you know, clutter our minds and clutter our, our our sort of focus when we need to perform at a high standard. Some of it, you know, I think we've all probably experienced at some point in our lives, I think the last year, we've all lived at home, you know, and, and had some unique pressures around family and I'm sure a lot of people around finances and things like that would have experienced that as a barrier to performance um, and remembering that that's important. I think particularly as we all go back to work, hopefully, you know, in the next few months, that will be important. People will still have that clutter. Yeah, the idea that when you're pitching a baseball or whatever it is that you're doing, you need absolute clarity around what you're doing at that point. Um, And our tendency to look ahead into the future and and our goals, or maybe look into the past at things that we've done before, and how that clutter in the moment can be really destabilizing. I think that's really good. And it's probably a nice way to think about goals. We need to be really specific in our minds about like where our focus is and where our attention is. I thought that was quite neat. I like that a lot. I'm left with a clear thought about how he's reframed the dynamic of effort. So the APE, mm. the attitude, preparation, effort. I think there's always a tendency when people talk about effort that you expect it to be putting a hundred percent in. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, a hundred percent is what you should be achieving. And I think Josh has really made me think there about the fact that it might be okay to only be at 60% or 20%, but it's putting a hundred percent of that in is actually what effort constitutes from his perspective. And I think that's quite a reassuring perspective to adopt because I'm certainly even guilty of that at times of thinking I've let myself down or people down and I, I know I'm not a hundred percent and I want to give a hundred percent effort but what I should be focusing on is giving all that I have rather than trying to think about what I can't give in the moment give everything that I have and that's been something that I've taken away from that that conversation 
no, I like that. I think that's something that's really easy to use straight away you know, before whatever it is you do, checking in and kind of taking that moment to really think about where am I? What, you know, am I 80%? Am I at 40%? And, and kind of acknowledge that and deal with it. Say, right, fine, I'm at 40%, but the effort I'm going to put into that is going to be maximal. Mm. Um, that, yeah, that is the bit you can always control. And I suspect it's things that you don't control that knock it down, you know, that knock you down from being able to do 100% output all the time. Um, so I think, yeah, that's really good. I'm going to use that straight away. Yeah, I will. Well, there we go. Another um, great conversation. And uh, we thank Josh again for, for giving us his time to come on and, uh, and do that. Um, Chris will put the notes up from the conversation onto, uh, onto LinkedIn and onto social media for, for you guys to, to take away and to, to read. Uh, we're hoping to announce a couple of exciting things in the next couple of weeks. We might even be able to do our very first podcast face-to-face. So you won't have to start with any Zoom lags or uh, communication snags for, for Marin. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, but once again, thank you very much for taking the time to download the Focal Point podcast and we'll, um, we'll see you all soon.